Hear the word of the Lord from John 17. Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them my glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. I want to just extend a special welcome to all those family members that have joined us today on All Saints Day. We thank you for coming and remembering uh, your loved ones today. We're in the midst of, for those of you who are guests with us today, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Everybody Always, and it's based on the book by Bob Goff called Everybody Always. And we're on the week where the topic is, what's the question, what's in your bucket? And Bob Goff in his book tells about how he walked around for two or three weeks, walked around with a bucket, just carrying a bucket around as an illustration because people would come up to him and say, what are you doing walking around with this bucket for? And he would tell them, I'm trying to fill my bucket with patience. I need more patience. And so it was a reminder to him, a physical reminder to him everywhere he went to have more patience. Now, with that in mind, I thought we'd ask that question of ourselves today. So what's, what are you filling your bucket with today? Like, what's going on in your life today? What did you come with today? What is in your bucket? And I, I, I know this illustration's been used many times. You know, people will talk about, well, you know, whatever's inside of you, and when you get bumped into, that's what comes out of you. You know, if you were carrying a hot cup of coffee and somebody bumps into you, hot coffee comes out. So whatever's in your bucket is what comes out of you at any given moment. And that illustration's been used many times. I was thinking about this illustration and, and thinking about this uh, illustration of a bucket. And I thought, is that really what happens? Because as I thought about it, I thought, you know, I actually have more in my bucket than just one emotion. Do you? <laughs> you know, we can come in here this morning, even today, and have more than one emotion in our, in our bucket, right? In our heart. It's not as simple as that. Let me give you an illustration out of my own life that uh, uh, my family, uh, it's one of those moments, it's a Pastor Matt moment that you don't want to relive, one of those moments, but 
I was actually working, uh, we des- I decided to redo our kitchen in a house we were living in, and so I went, and we were redoing the countertops, and so I went to Lowe's, and I bought a countertop, and the countertop, you buy one big piece of countertop, and you got to cut it and make it fit into your house. So I went and bought the big piece, put it on top of the minivan, drove it home, strapped to the minivan, got it into the front yard off the minivan, and then I put a couple chairs out in the front lawn, and I got some clamps, and I clamped it to the chair, so I had everything ready to go, and I went, and I measured, you always measure twice, cut once, right? So I did all my measurements, I measured where the sink was going to go, where the faucet was going to go, I did everything I was supposed to do, I made the cuts, made the cut for the sink, made the cut for the faucet, and in that moment, I stood back. It was all done. It was like I went back in and checked. It's going to fit. Everything's worked. And in that moment, I would say that I had a, a, an emotion of, of accomplishment. You know, I was smiling. I was grinning. I was like, yeah, I did it. Right? So out of my bucket was coming some sense of accomplishment, right? Now, I then began to take off the clamps, now, this, this particular countertop was L-shaped, so it was flat, and then it had a backsplash on it, so it was L, and it was all one piece. And so I took the clamps off, and as I was putting the clamps down on the ground, the whole thing slid off and onto the ground and broke in half. The, the whole backsplash broke off of the thing. At this moment, <laughs> there was a different color that came out of me. At this moment, a different emotion emerged, right? You know, anger, frustration. I think I've got some frustration here. Some tears were coming down, you know, out. So I screamed out loud. I I mean, that was my first reaction, like, ah, you know. My wife, my kids come running out of the house thinking I've cut off a finger or something that they got to take me to the ER. And I'm just, you know, going on with this just, just visceral angry grunts, right? And then I can see my wife go, oh, it's this, girls, it's time to go back in the house. You know, she's like, <laughs> like, get them back in the house. So in my frustration, you know, I had this other frustration coming out, and in this frustration, I, had, I took the tape measure, I had a tool belt on, and I had a tape measure on the tool belt. And I was just so mad that I took the tape measure and I threw it as hard as I could at the countertop. Now, countertops are smooth surfaces. And when a tape measure hits a smooth, slick surface like a countertop, it doesn't just bounce off. It actually gets shot across the front lawn. So it actually hit and slid all the way down the countertop and slung its, like a slingshot, across my front yard. And there it was parked our fairly new minivan in the driveway. (laughs) And it didn't hit the window, but it hit the door and left a nice big dent in it. And more frustration. Right? So I'm not, that's one of those moments, one of the moments where I kind of lost it, right? And I think we all have those, I hope we all have those moments, right? I hope I'm in good company here. But we have these moments where we just kind of, you know, we're, we can turn from one emotion to the other. One thing could be coming out of our bucket, and then a whole other thing's coming out of our bucket, depending on the context, depending on what's happening in our lives, depending on how many times that person has bumped into me. The first time, you get a lot of grace. Second time, you get some grace. 
third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, how much grace do I have left, right? And so that's what we think about is like there's all these different things that could be in our bucket at any given time, depending on context. We could, any emotion could emerge, could come out of us, right? But the question that we have to raise still, we still have to ask that question, what is in there? And what's, because what's in there will come out. Whatever we're carrying in there will come out whatever it is, whatever it looks like. Proverbs tells us this great piece of wisdom. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's what it's talking about. The bucket is like our heart. Whatever is in our heart, that was what will flow out. So it says really to protect it, to guard it, to make sure that there's only certain things going into it and, and protecting it in a way that only, hopefully, the good, loving things go into our hearts. But if there's other stuff there, we also have to make room for God's love, right? If we want God's love, more of God's love, or patience, or whatever it is that we want more of in our, in our lives, in our hearts, then we're going to have to maybe remove some of the other things. So I think the first thing to getting more of, of those things in our buckets, in our hearts, is actually to empty our buckets. There are some things maybe lurking there, some things hanging on in there that we need to let go of. You know, I think about this, you know, Jesus was praying in this prayer in John, he was praying that the disciples would be unified, and that they would be unified through love, through how they love, through the ways that they love. That was the big part of prayer. So this is actually his final prayer before he is arrested and crucified, before his death. This is the final prayer that he prays that we read this morning in, John, in the Gospel of John. And then after that prayer, he's crucified. He spends 40 days with the disciples. He reveals himself to the disciples and the followers. And then 40 days later, he ascends to heaven, and 120 of them are gathered in a room together, in, a, in Jerusalem together for 10 days. And I wonder what they were doing during those 10 days. I think they were praying. We know they were praying and they were choosing another follower to replace Judas. But I would imagine that in those 10 days, they were making room for someone else to come into their lives. They were actually making room for the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell in them and empower them, right? And so I wonder if in those 10 days they were taking some things out of their buckets to make room for the Holy Spirit, right? Were they do, what were they doing in those 10 days? How was prayer helping them? How was them gathering as a community helping them to do that and talking with another, praying together with one another and being a community together for those 10 days? How important was that? for what was coming, for them to be full, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, so I think, you know, there are things that you and I, too, have to empty, right? But the way that we empty some of these things is often things that maybe we want to do and sometimes we don't want to do. You know, some of the things require us to forgive. Jesus said that we're to forgive one another. It may require forgiveness. Some of the things we need to repent of right? We need to repent of those things. And then there are some things we need to surrender. We need to give them totally to God. And then there are some things we need to simply let go of, erase as much as we can from our lives to get them out of our buckets, to empty ourselves so that we can be filled up with more of what God would have for us in our lives. 
And you know, that's the prayer that Jesus, listen to the heart, I think, of Jesus' prayer. It's at the end. It's a very, I think it's one of the last verses of the prayer. It says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Two things that Jesus prays for us to be and to have in our lives is the love, now hear this, the love, the same love that God has for Jesus. That same love. Not just love like you and I have for one another, or love we have for family, or love we have for one, but the love that God has for Jesus is the love that Jesus wants for you and me. That kind of love. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 talks about it being a great love that is lavished on us. John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. So he talks about this lavishing of this great love on us. That's the love that God has for the Son, Jesus. That's the same love that God wants in our hearts, in our buckets, in our lives. The other part of it is, is that there's to be more of Christ, what then later becomes the Holy Spirit in us. So there's Christ, there's the Holy Spirit, there's the love of God. That's what's to be filled, we're filling, that's what, what God, what Jesus prays will be in our buckets. So that's the prayer. How do you get that? Well, I think there's a couple things that we do to, to receive that. One is that we have to fully accept and embrace that love that God has for us, that great love that lavishes on us. Do you know that? We've been mentioning this every week. Do you know that you are greatly loved by God and that God wants to lavish that great love on you? Think about that. God wishes to lavish this great love into your life. So that means receiving it, accepting it. Do you accept this morning that you are lavishedly loved by God? And if you go back to the prodigal son story, what did the father do for the son? Put a robe on, ring on, sandals on, restored him to the family. Fully loved, fully lavished. That's why it's called the prodigal son story. It's not called the prodigal son story because the son ran away. It's called the prodigal son story because the prodigal means to lavish or to be luxurious with. And what we see in the prodigal son story is the father is luxuriously, lavishly loving his son. That's what it means to be prodigal. Prodigal doesn't mean you're, you're, you're a bad person. It means that God lavishes love on you. See that? So we need to receive that. We need to accept that. And I think the prodigal son, when the prodigal son returns, has this same kind of like, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, I don't deserve it, right? Rather than accepting it, receiving it. He had to receive it. He had to accept it. And he did. I think the other thing is that God puts people in our lives to love us. They may be a family member. They may not be a family. Maybe somebody outside your family. It's somebody who expresses unconditional love to you like God does. Who's that in your life today? Who is loving you like God loves you? And do you accept that love? Because see, in America, in the United States, in the Western culture, we're taught to be independent, right? Individualistic. 
And I think that actually gets in the way of us receiving love. Because we're, we're like, oh, not me. I, I can do it on my own. I don't need that. I can handle it, right? And we get into these positions of not receiving because we want to be independent. Independence, actually, though, is a sign of an immature relationship. The sign of a mature relationship is interdependence. Love is given both ways and received both ways. That's interdependence. We actually see interdependence in all of creation. If you look around you at the world around you, you and I look at the creation, look at the way God has ordered things, you constantly see interdependence. Take, for example, the monarch butterfly and the milkweed. They need each other. They, they are interdependent upon one another, and both are, are, are purposely put together so that life might come forth from that relationship. So if you go, 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 do your, uh, go home and Google that, right? But you see in, in, in creation interdependence of relationship, which is what God craves for. The communion of the saints, interdependence of relationship for eternity. It all goes together. God made us for one another. God made us for community and to be in community and to receive God's love in community. Notice that Jesus' prayer was for not one person, but for them, for the whole community, for you, for me, right? All of us together, the communion of saints. And I think the other thing is we have to ask ourselves the question, are we those people? Are, you, are we the people that are loving others? Are we the people that are communicating God's great love to other people in our lives? Are we expressing that to them? How are we doing that? And then ultimately, we have to fully embrace the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us to, to help us love others. Because I don't know about you, I'm still learning how to love. Can I get an amen here this morning? I'm still trying to figure it out. I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this, right? But my hope is that I'm, by the time I, someone is lighting a candle for me, that I will have been more loving than I was at the beginning of my life, right? That's the hope. That's the goal is that we become more loving, and I'll need the Holy Spirit to help me to do that. You and I need the Holy Spirit indwelling in us to help us do it, especially when it comes to difficult people. We're actually going to talk about that more next week. How do we love difficult people in our lives? And notice that the, what Jesus says is the love, this kind of love that, we're, that he's talking about, results in two things. It results in unity and revelation. Unity of the community, unity of the disciples, and that this unity and this love would reveal to the rest of the world that Jesus is the real deal. That Jesus was sent by God. That Jesus is, the, <laughs> is really from God. So you and I, as we are in community together, as we are interdependent with one another, as we love one another, as we express God's redemptive purposes together, we are actually revealing to the world that Jesus is the real deal. Notice that it's the times when we don't get it right that people walk away from Jesus. But when they see in us a different type of community, they see Jesus. They see God. And that's important. You know, I learned a lesson doing uh, street evangelism many years ago. I, I've shared you, with you a few of my street evangelism stories, and I've had 
uh, different experiences, going out, speaking with different people. I mean, we're talking cold calling, what we call cold calling, or just walking down the street, talking to people, sharing our faith with people. And I was out one night uh, in a college town, and uh, there was another uh, young man that joined us, and he came to this outreach we were doing. We prayed together, and as he came to the prayer meeting before we went out on the street, he brought with him, he had a, he had a Greek Bible with him, like just Greek you know, the, the, what we would call the Nestle Alon edition of the Greek Bible. Ignore that. You don't care what that is. But here I, here I am, like, what are you going to do with I said to him, I said, what are you going to do with that? He's like, I'm going I'm to teach people the right thing. I'm going to teach them the right teaching. And we need the Greek to do that. I'm like, okay. So we went out that evening, and he had his Greek Bible, and we were out talking to different people, ministering to different people, helping different people who were in need. And the whole night he was with two people, with his Greek Bible open, trying to explain to them the Greek parsing of particular words. And I could see these two guys just having a ball with him. Like, I, I, I remember watching, they were, like, they were like enjoying just kind of pushing his buttons. And I walked by like three different times and saw the same thing happening as he was insisting that they understand the Greek. Meanwhile, they were just kind of chuckling, making fun of him, and he couldn't see it. And they weren't really listening to anything he had to say. Meanwhile, there were many other people who were ministered to, people, homeless people who were given blankets and food. There were people who Pray, were prayed with, and all these things. And I saw all this other ministry happening, and I just saw this one guy with his Greek Bible trying to make sure he got it right. You see, folks, I love his heart and his effort, but it doesn't matter how much Greek we know. It matters how much we love. It doesn't matter how right our theology is. It matters that we care and love for people. See, that's what will make the difference. Being right rarely helps bring about hope and change in people's lives. But loving people, that'll do it. That'll do it. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a love that will transform people. I love the way that Bob Goff changes this phrase. We've heard this phrase, grow where you're planted. But he says this, people don't grow where they are planted. They grow where they are loved. They grow where they are loved. And if you think about the people in your life, maybe some who have gone before us, the people who, who loved you are the people who helped grow you the people who helped make you and shape you into who you are today because they loved you. They loved you unconditionally. They loved you, hopefully, in a way that God loved the Son, Jesus. So let's go back to our question. So what are you filling up your bucket with today? What do you got in there? What's in there? And what would you like to fill it up with? You know, what if you were to fill it up with more of the good love that God has for you and for others? 
What if you were to fill it up with this love or maybe with the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is talked about in Galatians? What if that was in your bucket? And what if you were intentional about trying to put that into your bucket every day? Because the other stuff's going to be there. I'm not going to guarantee all that other stuff's going away because it hasn't gone away for me, so I'm still working on it. I'm still learning. But I do want more of God's love in my life. So what are you going to do about it? So I'm I'm going to assume that none of you are going to go, you can go get a bucket just like this on Amazon. That's where I got it. I'm going to assume, though, that you're not going to walk around every day with a bucket. I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'll try. Well, we'll see. (laughs) If you see me walk around with a bucket, don't make fun of me. But anyway, so I thought about this. I thought, what could we do instead of carrying around a bucket that would help us remember to put something else in our buckets? So pull out your phone. Everybody, I'm assuming you all carry a phone. If you're not going to carry a bucket, you're probably carrying a phone. And this is actually, my, this is my wife's idea. She has this idea. I learned this from her. And uh, what she does is she takes, she has an app on her phone. You probably have it too, called Reminders. And she sets a reminder to go off every day at a certain time of day to remind her to pray for someone or to remind her to be that person or to be more of God or whatever it is. I've got a quote that pops up on my phone every day at noon to remind me to be open to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. What is it? Set a reminder right now on your phone about what, instead of filling your bucket, put a reminder on there that what is it that you want to be, have more of in your bucket? Could be love, could be joy, could be peace, could be patience could be kindness, could be goodness, could be faithfulness, or here's one, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe I want to be more open to the Holy Spirit, or, or I want to be more loving to the people around me, or I'm going to pray for this person every day, right? Set a reminder on your phone. Let your cell phone be your bucket, is what I'm saying. And let it remind you every day, use technology as a tool to help you in your relationship to God. And do that. You know, because I think it's when we fill ourselves up more with those things that will actually change things. There's a Jewish folktale that speaks of the life of a widow who... Uh, somebody set the reminder. Good job. <laughs> she came to the, she had uh, lost her husband and then she lost a son. And she came to the holy man in her village and she said to the holy man, can you take away my grief? Can you take away my pain? Can you take away my sorrow? Will you please pray to your God and have this just go from my life? So the holy man says, well, I could do that for you if you could bring me a magic mustard seed. She said, well, where do I find this mustard seed? Where do I find this magic mustard seed? And he said, you, you can only find it in the home of a person who has never known sorrow. So she says, I'm on it. 
She left, she went out, she thought, she looked across the village and she saw the people living in this big house, wealthy house. She thought, certainly they've never known sorrow because they have so much going for them. So she went and she knocked on the door of the house and she asked the woman who answered the question, has this house never known sorrow? And the woman who answered the door says, never known sorrow, are you kidding me? Let me tell you about our sorrow. She invited her in, they sat down and had coffee, and she listened to this woman share all the things from her life that had caused sorrow. They listened, they prayed together, she actually stayed there a couple more days, and then she left. She then went to a a home that maybe was middle-class home, and the same thing occurred. And then she went to a, a hut in the village where a poor family was living, and the same thing occurred. And no matter where she went, no matter what house she went to, and asked the question, has this home never known sorrow? The reply was back was, let me tell you a story. And then she would stay with them, and she would listen with them, and she would pray with them, and then she would go on to the next house. And after a few months, she noticed something. She noticed that she had forgotten about her search for the mustard seed. And she noticed that as she began to love and care for others, some of her own sorrow and some of her own grief had been lifted off of her. And so in her search, God had lifted her grief. You see, if we'll spend more time filling our lives up with the things of God and the love of God towards other people, maybe too those other things that we hold on to will be lifted from our lives. Let's pray together.